Good evening. Sure good to be here again tonight. Turn if you would, open your Bibles up if you would, the Song of Solomon chapter 1. The name of the message tonight is Christ Delights in His Bride. Christ Delights in His Bride. Let's read Song of Solomon verses 1 to 11. I am black but calmly, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me, because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? If thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock, and feed thy kids beside the shepherd's tents. I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Thy cheeks are comely with rolls of jewels, thy neck with chains of gold. We will make thee borders of gold with studs of silver. Now last week we looked at verses 5 to 7, and we considered that the bride sees her sin and honestly confesses the blackness of her heart and the blackness of her sin, both in their natural state her natural state, and, and even how sin plagues her after, after she's, after we who are, who are the bride are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And throughout our struggle with sin, after the Lord saves us, and as we journey through this life, we continue to keep our eyes upon our bridegroom, don't we? Christ. Because we know if we look at ourselves, we despair. Because we know what we are. We know what we've been saved from. But we keep our eyes upon Christ. And then, and then as, I, as we looked at this morning, we marvel at the fact. And it's a fact, beloved. And, and you hear gospel preachers continually bring this up because it's so important. The fact that we are clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. It's amazing. We are made calmly. In verse 5, and we saw last week that in the Hebrew, that's beautiful. So the, the bride says, I'm black, but calmly. Knowing that that calmliness, that beauty, only comes from Christ. Only comes from being clothed in his perfect righteousness. And in God's sight, he sees, he see, when he looks upon his bride, he sees Christ. God the Father looks upon his people and sees Christ. Because we're clothed in that wedding garment. It's wonderful. He doesn't see our sin. That's why he says, I'll remember your sin no more. He doesn't see our sin. We see it all in ourselves. But he doesn't see it. Because Christ paid for it all. Isn't it wonderful? It's absolutely stunning. So we've been made calmly. And in our many trials and afflictions, we are often careless and we fail to keep our own vineyards, which we looked at. 
And every heaven-born soul knows and fully confesses his sin. And we say we haven't kept our own vineyard. We're sinners. And Scripture says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, from all, all unrighteousness. And have you ever noticed, we, I think it was Henry that said this, we come to Christ, we continue to come to Christ. We never stop. We confess our sin to him, and we keep confessing our sin to him. But we know that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. In verse 7, we looked at the bride's burning expression of love for Christ. Look at this. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth. Her heart burns for him. Her heart burns for him. A burning expression of love for Christ and, and a desire to find rest in him. Look, it continues. It says, tell me, O, o whom... O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou, where thou feedest. Tell me where thou feedest. Where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. Where do your people rest? Where does your flock rest? We know, we looked last week, that was the elect of God. We desire to find rest in Christ. And we find rest in the preaching of the gospel, don't we? We do. We want to be with the Lord's people. And we can't understand when people don't want to be with the Lord's people who profess to be saved. We, we don't understand it. It baffles us because that's the only people we want to be with. Where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest. Now, there's a beautiful word, rest. We all like to rest. And the believer's rest is in Christ, in him alone. And he directs our steps, doesn't he? For why should I be one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? He directs, he directs, he directs our step, beloved. And we saw that the flocks of thy companions was false preachers. False preachers. Now tonight we'll be looking at verses 8 and 11. Look at this. And this is, this is the bridegroom now speaking. Up to the point we've been at, it's been the the bride speaking to the bridegroom. Now we see, we get into the first section here of the bridegroom, Christ himself speaking to his bride. And this time it was Solomon speaking to his bride, but we know it's, a, it's such a picture of Christ speaking to his church. Look at this. If thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock, and feed thy kids beside the shepherd's tents. I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Thy cheeks are comely with rows of jewels, thy neck with chains of gold. We will make thee borders of gold with studs of silver. He's enamored with her. He's enamored with the bride. We saw her expression of love when she said, Whom my soul loveth. Now we see him, he's, he calls her the fairest among women. The fairest among women. And so here, right before us in these verses, we see how Christ delights in his bride. He delights in her. Can, you, can we really fathom that? We who know we're sinners by birth, nature, and choice, Christ has purchased us with his blood, 
and he delights in us. Now, we need to make this personal. This is a personal application for every one of God's people. He delights in his bride. He delights in us. That's a wonder of wonders. And we who believe have have our constant need for Christ revealed to us. Each time we hear the gospel preach, we, we have... We have our constant need bought before us. And we see our constant need that we must be saved by Christ and Him alone. And how much we toil through our life and we are continuously being taught of our constant need for Him through everything we go through. Everything we go through. And as we grow in grace, what happens when we grow in grace? we become more and more aware of our own sinfulness. Don't we? See, religion says you get better and better. As we're being conformed to the image of Christ, we realize how sinful we are. It's incredible. We are continuously being bought low, bought low at the cost of the payment of our sins the shedding of Christ's blood, the God-man himself dying upon the cross for us. And that brings us low, beloved. It humbles us. It humbles us. To know that Christ himself died in our place. But what brings us comfort and joy? What brings us comfort and joy? I'll tell you what brings me comfort and joy. And I think it's so with you, too. When I ponder that in his eyes I'm unblameable and unreprovable because I'm clothed in his righteousness. I can't tell you the joy that brings my heart. And that's a reality for every single believer. And he has put on that robe upon us, beloved. It's him who puts that upon us. And again, he wove it out for us by his life, right? Let us never forget that. He wove that code of righteousness by living a perfect life in our place. And he's the one who puts it upon us. My goodness. And we know all spiritual blessings are in Christ for us. And the beauty spoken of in verse 5, in verse 5, when, he said, when she says, I am black but calmly, the word calmly there is beauty. When the bride says that she's calmly, that only comes from Christ. We know that. And note how the bridegroom, Christ, delights in his bride, the elect. In the verses tonight, If thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock and feed thy kids. But beside the shepherd's tents, I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Royal horses. Horses for a king. 
Thy cheeks are comely with rows of jewels, thy neck with chains of gold. And we'll look at this verse later on, but notice, we will make thee borders of gold and stems of silver. It's plural. We. My goodness. But look what Christ calls his bride. Look at this marvelous truth. Thou fairest among women. And let us remember that we are washed in the precious blood of Christ, robed in his righteousness, and through this life we're being conformed to the image of the Son. And we know that no good dwelleth in us, but what a blessing it is for the believer to hear our heavenly bridegroom call us the fairest among women. That means he has eyes for no other. Isn't that incredible? God's people to Christ are the fairest among women. Turn, if you would, to Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Chapter 14. Or chapter 16, I'm sorry. Ezekiel 16, verse 14. And we're going to look later on again at this, but look at this. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. For thy beauty. The renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. For it was perfect through my calmliness. Notice that. Through his? Through his calmliness. Which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord God. We are made righteous by Christ. And he sees us as absolutely beautiful in his righteousness. That's why the scripture declares, Thou fairest among women. And notice which I put upon thee. Thy beauty is perfect through my calmliness, which I put upon thee. Every single believer is clothed in his righteousness. My. Again, the Hebrew word for calmliness in, in Ezekiel there is defined as this. Magnificent, that is, ornament or splendor, beauty, calmliness, excellency, glorious, isn't that wonderful? That's how Christ sees his bride. That's how Christ sees his bride. He sees his bride washed in his own precious blood, beloved. Clothed with his perfect spotless righteousness. And he is the one who has clothed her. He is the one who has clothed her. With the garment of his salvation. Again, which like fine linen and gold and silk are the beautiful robes for her covering. And let us never forget it is Jesus' righteousness which makes the church calmly. It is his righteousness that makes him call us the fairest among women. It's his work. It's all him, beloved. And let us remember this, that the song of Solomon is a, love, is a song of love between Christ and his bride. 
One commentator brought this forth about this wonderful book. And I'd like us to remember this as we read this book. He said, as, as we read the book, we who belong to Christ, we who are married to the Son of God, ought to make it personal as possible. Whenever the bride speaks, read it in the first person. Read it in you saying that to him. Her words are the expression of every believer's heart. And read his words as personally to you. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed by it. So we who believe should read the words of the bridegroom to the bride as words for us. It talks about his estimation of her and his love for her. His love is all for the bride. All those the Father gave to Christ, may we marvel in those precious truths. And in the text preceding verse 8, the bride asks her beloved where he feeds his flock and where he makes his flock to rest at noon. Let us never cease to look to him for guidance, direction. And note in our text the gentle rebuke of the Savior for his bride. And then note immediately that he professes how precious she is in in his eyes. Notice in verse 7, right? Notice in verse 7. Tell me, O, o thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? And in the gentle rebuke, if thou know not. Just a gentle rebuke. The Lord gives her direction, his beloved, and then he calls her, O thou fairest among women. Just a gentle rebuke, if thou know not, and then O thou fairest among women. We'll go back to what he says to the bridegroom in his estimation of the bride in his eyes later on in the message, and it says, If thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock and feed thy kids beside the shepherd's tents. The latter part of this verse is the Lord Jesus Christ directing the bride to the flock, which is the whole body of Christ, his church which the Father hath given him and which he has purchased with his own precious blood. And the shepherds here spoken of are the ministers of the gospel, the underpastors of the fold, who are called to be faithful, to preach the gospel of God's free grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the believer is fed and finds rest in the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And only as we follow the footsteps of the flock and feed by the tents of his undershepherds will we find him. You won't find him in many other churches. Now, they're talk about a Jesus, but it's a Jesus who can't do anything. Or they'll mix something in and say, you've got to do something to be saved. No, God's preachers stand up and we proclaim Christ and him crucified. We proclaim the free and sovereign grace of God in Christ, that salvation is all of the Lord, and that we are simply receivers of this wonderful grace and mercy which is in Christ Jesus 
And only as we follow the footsteps of the flock and feed by the tents of his under-shepherds will we find him. The footsteps of the flock are the paths in which God's people have always walked. They are the paths of the Lord's sheep, the paths that Abraham followed, Isaac and Jacob. They all walked in these paths. David, Isaiah, and Jeremiah walked in these paths. Peter, James, John, and Paul walked in these paths. They are paths of faith and trust, of submission and obedience, of righteousness and godliness, of love and kindness, which we all find centered in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Turn, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 6. Do you know they're called the old paths? The old paths of doctrinal truth, which are proclaimed in Jeremiah 6, in which... Now, where do all these doctrinal truths find their center? Where do these old paths lead to, beloved? Christ. Some churches out there now are all about entertainment. I don't even know why they call them churches. Some of the grace preachers said they should call them circuses. There's a bunch of clowns over there. And I don't mean that mean-spirited because it, it, preaching is serious, serious, as Scott Richardson said, it's serious business. We're to preach Christ. Every time we get the opportunity to stand in the pulpit or stand before people, we are to preach Christ and Him crucified, we who are called by God. The problem is a lot of those, those it, it, it's not a lot, they just, they're not called of God to preach. But oh, the old pass of preaching Christ and Him crucified. Look at Jeremiah 6.16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. What are the old paths? Preaching Christ. Preaching Christ. Where is the good way? And, and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. Where do we find rest for our souls? In Christ and Him alone. But they said, we will not walk therein. Just like the Jewish rulers who said, we'll not have this man reign over us. And what are some of the old paths? Oh, the old paths of the, the doctrine of the election of God. That he chose a people in eternity. The old paths of salvation in Christ alone plus nothing we do at all. The old paths of us being justified by God because of what Christ has done. And the old paths of a God who is absolutely sovereign. And we are to His will, beloved. Oh my. He's not waiting to save anyone. He's moving and saving His people as He is pleased. People don't like to hear this nowadays. Well, we're still going to preach it. And we're still going to proclaim it to the glory of God in Christ alone. Because that's what he commands us to do. That's why we're here, isn't it? To have the gospel go forth of God's free and sovereign grace. The old pass. Let's look at our text again. It says, Go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock and feed thy kids beside the shepherd's tents. 
The church is directed to feed her kids. Gill brings out that this is the young converts amongst the body who are weak in the faith, men of little faith, and they must feed, they must feed and feast on the green pastures of his word, on the clover of his word. And how do we feast as believers? When the gospel's preached, we feast, beloved. We feast on the clover of his word. It's magnificent. And we are to encourage young believers to feast upon Christ. God's pastors are are determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The old paths. Praise God for the old paths. And you can faithfully or you can safely feed by the tent, the tent of God's preachers. And the shepherds spoken of here are the true servants of Christ who preach Christ and Him crucify. They preach all of Christ and they preach nothing but Christ and Him alone. Lord willing, you won't hear what you have to do from this pulpit. We will not have someone in get in this pulpit and tell you what you have to do. No, we tell you about what Christ has done for His people. And God moves and He saves as He is pleased to do. Because that's how He saved each one of us, isn't it? We weren't looking. We didn't merit His salvation. But we who believe, He saved us. And it's all His work. In the shepherd's tents are the churches pastored by God's faithful servants. God's shepherds are placed where he desires them to be. And they have their tents pitched in the wilderness wherever God pleases to pitch their tent. Wherever he pleases to place them. And just as shepherds in ancient times pitched their tents in the wilderness where they led their flocks, So God's servants are placed by His providential hand in the places that He desires. It's magnificent again. It's wonderful. Why? For the feeding of the flock of Christ. So that we might feast upon the green pastures of His Word. And again, God's preachers preach and proclaim the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace. And remember, I'm a sheep too. I'm feasting all week in my study. And then we feast together when we gather together upon his word. And we are fed by God. It's wonderful. We feast upon the precious truths of the free grace of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now contrast that with false shepherds who feed the goats upon the upon husks. Upon husks of free will. Upon the husks of works religion. Which will lead to their eternal doom and will not feed anyone. It will lead to the eternal doom of those who teach the errors 
and those who followed. Now let's look now at Christ's estimate of his people. And we'll look at the words of the bridegroom in these four verses. Just that one part in verse 8 where it says, O thou fairest among women. And then he goes on in verse 9 and 9 to 11, he says, I have prepared thee, the bridegroom speaking of the bride, O my love, to a company of horses and pharaoh's chariots. Thy cheeks are calmly with rows of jewel, thy neck with chains of gold. We will make thee borders of gold with studs of silver. So first of all, in verse 8, again, he calls his bride the fairest among women, speaking of her beauty in his eyes. Now think of that. You and I who believe are sinners. And this scripture declares that we who believe that God looks upon us and sees no spot but sees beauty in us. And not just that he sees us as, as, as a woman being the bride, but he sees us as the fairest amongst women. In his eyes. Beloved, let us find sweet rest in these words. In our eyes and in other eye, others' eyes, we see our own sinfulness and so do other people, right? And we see ourselves as black because of our sin. But contrast that. Contrast that with these words right here. And trust. Trust in these words from our heavenly bridegroom. O thou fairest among women. He says this of his people. So if you are a believer in Christ, in his eyes you are the fairest among women. Personally. Personally. Look at verses 9 and 10. So uh, I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses and Pharaoh's chariots. Thy cheeks are calmly with rows of jewel. Jewels thy neck with chains of gold. This is our Redeemer's declaration to every one of his blood-bought saints. To his people who believe on him. To those who trust and rest in him. Sinners who have been redeemed and purchased by his own precious blood on Calvary's cross. And he says, I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Thy cheeks are calmly with rows of jewels. There's that word calmly again, beautiful. With rows of jewels, thy neck with chains of gold. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. The Son of God, our mediator, our heavenly bridegroom, sees us in the beauty of his own imputed righteousness and declares that we are perfectly beautiful in his sight. Now think of that. Perfectly beautiful in his sight. My goodness. And that's why we're here on earth. (laughs) And one day he will present us, though, spotless, 
Look at Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ himself, the God-man mediator, gave himself for his people, the church. The ecclesia, the called out assembly. Why? That he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Look at this, beloved. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spots. Remember the bride said, I'm black. She sees her sinfulness. We see our sinfulness. But let us rest in this precious truth here. Let us not despair because we know, we know what we are. Look at, let us just soak this in, beloved. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Perfect, blameless in his sight. But that it should be holy and without blemish. Holy and without blemish. You see how Christ sees his bride now? Clothed in his righteousness. And then it says again, I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses and Pharaoh's chariots. Thy cheeks are calmly with rows of jewels, thy neck with chains of gold. Let us ponder this wonderful truth that we are perfectly beautiful and gloriously complete in Christ. In Christ so that we may confidently exclaim with Paul, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Anything. Oh my. In thy surety thou art free. His dear hands were pierced for thee. With his spotless garments on, were as holy as God's own son. My God. Because we are clothed in his righteousness. Now turn again, if you would, to Ezekiel chapter 16. And let us marvel at this truth which is spoken. We're going to look at verses 8 to 14. I know we looked at verse 14. But we're going to look. Ezekiel 16. Actually, let's start. We're starting verse 1. Again, the word of the, of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is in the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day that thou was born, thy navel was not cut, neither was there was thou washed in water to supple thee? Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pity thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. This shows our absolute depravity, beloved. And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, Polluted in our sin, beloved. Dead in trespasses and sins. I said unto thee, when thou wast washed in thy blood, live, yea. Oh, is that not what Christ says to us? I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. 
Remember what he said to Lazarus? Lazarus, come forth. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased in waxen great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is growing, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold thy time. Look at this, beloved. Look at this and just sit there and, oh, thy time was the time of love. My goodness. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord, and thou becamest mine. Every one of God's sheep are his. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee and I anointed thee with oil. We have been cleansed and washed in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, beloved. I clothed thee also with bordered work and shod thee with badger skin and I girded thee about with fine linen. Oh, the righteousness of Christ. I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments and I put bracelets upon thy hands and a chain on thy neck and I put a jewel in thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thine head. This... Thus was thou decked with gold and silver and remnant, was a fine linen and silk embroidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil, and thou wast exceedingly beautiful, and thou did prosper into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness, which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord God. My goodness, beloved. Clothed in his perfect spotless right. He found us dead in trespasses and sins. And now we are clothed and made fit for glory. Beloved. Now also in our passage in Song of Solomon, Our Lord uses a well-known picture of royal beauty to typify the beauty of his people in him. I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Choice horses. Perfect. Perfect. The best. Bring forth the best robe we looked at this morning. Oh, my. He compares us to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Beautiful horses. Chosen horses. Costly horses. And strong horses. I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Thy cheeks are calmly with rows of jewel. Thy neck with chains of gold. With chains of gold. He shows how we are, are, are adorned by his grace with rows of jewels, which are the graces of the Holy Spirit of God. And chains of gold, which are the blessings of God's grace in Christ. My goodness, beloved. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Adorned with these beautiful 
And then look at verse 11. Our beloved Savior tells us what will yet be done for us. We will make the borders of gold with studs of silver. And note the we in the text. The commentator said God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is a symbolic picture of the heavenly Jerusalem in our everlasting glory in heaven. Isaiah proclaims this, O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, and thy foundations with sapphires, and I will make thy window of agates, and thy gates of carbonacle, and the borders of, of pleasant stones. And so let us ponder this precious truth, proclaimed when it says we will make the borders of gold and studs of silver. Turn, if you would, to Jude. Jude verses 24 and 25, and keep this in mind. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. Christ will present his bride faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And he does it with joy. Why does he do it with joy? Because he purchased her with his own precious She's his. She's his by choice. She's his by purchase. May our great God and King graciously cause us to keep looking to Christ, beloved. To keep looking to him. Alone for our strength, our grace, and our cleansing. And let we who are redeemed resolve that by God's grace... We will ever be found walking in the footsteps of the flock, gathering with God's people, feeding by his shepherd's tents as long as we are in this world. And let us always take special care to watch out for younger brothers and sisters in Christ who are just starting out in the faith and in the kingdom of God. But let us remember we who are here gathered tonight, let us remember the great things which the Lord had done for us. Let us leave here remembering Christ's estimation of us, the fairest among women. And let us leave here remembering what he has done for us and how he sees us clothed in his perfect righteousness. And let us live in an anticipation of glory. Our life's just like a vapor. In anticipation of glory, which awaits us because of what he has done for us. Lord Jesus, we come before thy throne. Humbled. Knowing that we see ourselves as sinners, but reading these words tonight and it leaves us in awe that you see us as the fairest among women. That you see us perfect and spotless in your sight. And we who believe know that this is all because of what you've done for us.
and knowing that those horses of Pharaoh were chosen horses and how you have chosen your people. And in our weakness, we are weak in ourselves, but oh, in our weakness you are strong. We pray that you would guide and direct us this week. Watch over us. And may the messages we heard today, may they strengthen us as we journey through this world this week. And may you bring us back together safely, if it's your will, next week. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name.